Good morning, everyone. Economists from the Alaska Department of Labor joins us today to talk about the August edition of Alaska Economic Trends. The first article we'll discuss is titled Movers Aren't Staying as Long, written by David Howell. He joins us here today to talk about that. So share with us why you wrote this article, David. Yeah, so I'm the state demographer uh, with the Department of Labor, and one thing that we've noticed in recent years is that we've seen uh, quite a bit of uh, negative net migration. And so looking into that, we examined the number of people coming into the state as well as the number of people going out of the state. And one way we're able to look at this is through the permanent fund dividend applications. And we're able to see that people moving into the state just are not staying as long as they have in the past, uh, as well as the numbers going down as far as the actual numeric number of people coming into the state. And when we're talking about the past, we're talking about the war, the oil boom. That, that sort of past, right? <laughs> well, not going back quite that long. Uh, but so. compared to that time, though, what has the trend been looking like in the last decade? Yeah, so in the last decade, we've really seen a shift to this uh, negative net migration being a consistent thing. And so and net migration is in migrants minus out migrants. So if you have a positive number, you're gaining, negative, you're losing. Um, in the last 10 years, we've lost, uh, on average, 4,500 people a year uh, to net migration. And what trends have you seen in the demographics of the movers coming to Alaska? So it's no surprise to anyone that, you know, Alaska attracts a lot of young people, um, generally people in their 20s and 30s coming to the state. And then overwhelmingly, well, not overwhelmingly, not so much as in the old days, but about 53 to 55 percent are male. So a notable difference between male and female. Hmm. And what was the findings for women? Uh, well, women surprisingly actually stay longer in the state than men. I was quite surprised to see that. Um, I can't really say why, but it's definitely a, a noticeable difference between the length of stay. So 20s to 30s is about the folks that uh, that come here then. Yeah, and we get people at other ages as well, but just not, that is by far the vast majority is the 20s to 30s. And when we look younger, what about the folks under 18, for example? So that was a really interesting thing that came out of this research was that the people moving here under 17 or 17 or under uh, has really gone down a lot. And that is just due to birth rates in the lower 48. So basically there's just not as many young people to move with their parents to the state. Um, and similarly with the older population, people 65 plus, as the baby boomers have aged into that broader age group, there's just more people available at those ages to move into the state. So we're seeing increases uh, for older pe people coming into the state as well. And you had wrote that we're not, we're not, uh, we're not, exempt from the trends that are go on in the lower 48, these demographic trends. Exactly, yeah. I mean, because so many people coming into Alaska uh, are obviously coming from the lower 48, so whatever's happening down there is going to influence the number of people coming into the state and what that demographically looks like. All right. So we've got our typical Alaska newcomer. They're probably in their 20s or 30s, and I guess we can also assume they're probably a guy. How long do they stay here? So it's, it's changed over time. Uh, but generally, you know, the vast majority, the majority stay over five years. But 
around 50% stay 10 years or less. And then when you get up to 15 years, uh, for people moving in the 90s, around 40% were staying 15 years. This is decline down closer to 30% at this time that stay uh, 15 years. So it's declined since the 90s. Quite considerably. Uh, it seems to be since 2005, actually. If you look at groups coming into the state at post-2005, you've started to see these declines in the length of time that people are staying. Mm. And what group is most... What group are the most likely to leave the state, according to your data? So by far, the this younger age group. I mean, you have these younger kids coming into the state, and they come up for a couple of years, have a great time, and then end up going back down south um, after enjoying Alaska for a few years. So definitely that 18 to 29-year-old age group uh, stays considerably less than the other ages. And you had broken it up into five, 10, 15 year increments. Where do they normally fall? So they're generally around that. They all follow kind of the same pattern, but the most recent group of 18 to 29 year olds that we could track for five years, we had about 57% of them staying for five years. Uh, The most recent group coming in 18 to 29 for 10 years, fell down to about 35% um, staying for 10 years. And tell us about the trends for the other age age groups, like the 30s and 40s, 40-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that was a really interesting thing to find. So these people are in their prime working ages, and you often think about, you know, people in the 30s and 40s are going to move for different reasons than these 18 to 29-year-olds. So they're coming for a career or, you know, some reason that they're wanting to come and likely put down roots in Alaska. But while they do stay longer than the 18 to 29 year olds, we've seen their length of time staying has decreased the most uh, beyond of, compared to any other age group. How, how much has it declined? People in their 30s, it's declined by about, uh, for, well, so for people staying 10 years, uh, people in their 30s, it's declined about 10% over since the 90s between the most recent group. 40s, about the same, about 10% down for staying 10 years. Um, still right around 50% staying, but um, it's definitely declined quite a bit over the years. Okay, so we, we know who's leaving and when. What about those who are staying? Yeah, so the 30s and 40s, they also stay the longest. I mean, they're the most likely to stay 15 years or more, uh, which you know makes sense when you think about these people are coming in. They're they're not late in their careers. They're still early on in their careers, but you know they're in uh, some kind of career field at this point. What are the trends for those who move here just to work, uh, a working mover? So somebody who comes to the state and has a job is more likely to stay longer than somebody coming without a job. Um, And that's pretty definitive across all time periods that we've seen. Hmm. Share with us your findings regarding those that turn 18 in the state. Yeah, so, you know, we often think about people leaving the state when they turn 18, but realistically, people turning 18 in the state are much more likely to stay than people who move here 18 years or older. Um, about 50% of people turning 18 in the state actually stay 15 years, and that's compared to about a little over 30% for someone who moves here. What's the past uh, data look like on on their residency? Like, or how long have they st- do they stay, the 18-year-olds? So the people who turn 18 generally stay, like well, the majority stay over 15 years, and 80% stay five years, and around... You know, 
uh, 60 or so percent stay 10 years. And how does that compare to previous years? Um, it has declined over time. So similar to people moving here, it's declined quite a bit since the 90s, but not nearly as much as the people moving into the state. And with all this, what's the outlook looking like for movers coming to Alaska? It's tough to say. I mean, we've, we've gone through it's gone through this period where we're experiencing negative net migration, but people are still coming and staying. I mean, there's still, you know, the, the percentage of people staying 15 or more years has stayed the most steady. So there will continue to be people that come and set down roots in Alaska, but we might continue to see this high turnover that uh, we've seen in recent years. And what was your biggest takeaway when you were writing this article? I think the most surprising thing to me was, you know, the declines in that that prime working age group that they're just not staying as long. You know, what is driving these people to move out of the state versus, you know, remaining in the state as they as long as they had in the past? Is there anything you'd like to add? I don't think so. I think you've pretty much covered it. All right. Well, we'll be back with an article on air transportation. So stay tuned. And we're back with. The Alaska Department of Labor talking about the August edition of Alaska Economic Trends. Now, David and I, were not the only ones in the studio. We have Dan Robinson and Gunnar Schultz here to join us. Uh, Gunnar, you had wrote an article about air transportation in the COVID years. Talk about what spurred your writing. Yeah, so the motivation for this article was really looking at the work that it had been done about the first year of the pandemic and seeing that in air transportation, there's these very stark differences if you had sort of large increases in air cargo, and at the same time, you had a pretty severe decrease in both passengers and workers in this air transportation, in a passenger transportation industry. Um, and so looking at that and having 2021 data, um, I thought it was pretty natural to do a follow-up and see sort of how things had progressed since then. And Dan, you had also written an article regarding job openings. Here yeah, yeah, we've been talking for a while about the worker shortage, you know, that employers are having a tr- having trouble finding workers. And related to that is this fairly new data set on job openings. Um, Gunner's article uh, touches on that a little bit. You see, for example, that wages go way up in air cargo, partly because there was so much business, but also it, you have to, if you're, if you're, if you need to expand, workers are in short supply. What economics teaches us is generally wages get bid up. So that's one of several interesting things in Gunner's article. Let's talk about your article, Gunner. Let's talk and start on the cargo side. What happened to them in the last two years? Yeah, so during the pandemic, uh, most industries were sort of hit pretty hard, um, lost workers, slowed down activity. And while that was happening, you had air cargo, which really was ramping up. And some of the reasons for this was that people were doing a lot more of their shopping online, trying to limit their exposure to others. Um, Air cargo also played a really big role in transporting PPE and vaccines throughout the world. So at the time when most things were ramping down, demand for air cargo was strong and air cargo was booming during the time. Um, So one reason for that is, and something that I learned doing this project was um, Alaska specifically was impacted by these global increases in demand for air cargo because Anchorage is such a giant in the air cargo world. Um, During the pandemic, it was the fourth largest, or it was the first busiest cargo airport in the world. Um, And 
one reason for that is it, is it serves as a major link between Asia and North American markets. Mm -hmm. um, and one unique thing about Anchorage, so typically Alaska sort of out of the way. In this case, Alaska is really on the way in that it links Asia and North America and it allows air cargo to stop over in Anchorage to refuel and that allows these aircrafts to carry less fuel and more cargo and really maximize their revenue. And so during the start in 2020, what cargo volume did we see from the Anchorage airport? To so in 2020, when they were the far, fourth busiest in the world, um, they were at 3.2 million metric tons of cargo for the year, and that was up 16% from 2.7 million metric tons the year prior. That's a lot of Amazon orders. <laughs> when Gunnar touched on this, I think it's really it's useful for useful for Alaskans, people trying to understand the Alaskan economy to understand how our location, which is quite often a uh, a negative for our economy, we're off away from major markets. But in this sense, we're between these huge markets and on the way somewhere. So our location is as a unique economic asset, like it is militarily sometimes in some other senses. Um, it's it's good to keep an eye on what we do best, and in this case, being uniquely positioned on the globe creates economic activity, and that's part of what we see in Gunner's article. And it's like he said, we're not out of the way, we're on the way. Exactly. I love that phrase that Gunner said, yeah. Gunner, with all this activity, and we touched on this, Dan had touched on this, and I'd like to, too, what car... What did you find in regards to wages for cargo of the, the air freight folks? Yeah, so wages, interesting in that workers were up, wages were up, but total wages were up more than total workers, which means that average wages grew in the industry. Um, I touched on two separate industries. So there's air cargo, which is sort of your more traditional load up a plane and then on the other side, there's couriers. So these are people working for companies like FedEx and UPS. Um, but in both of those industries, what we saw was wages growing very fast during 2020 and then continuing to grow in 2021. Um, with couriers, things were, at, I guess they grew over the two years. Um, wages came down a little bit, but they were still up more than workers. And so workers in that industry had, you know, were seeing higher wages on average than before the pandemic. And that demand just kept continuing after 2020, right? It was just the workers that they needed. Yeah. And so I think that's, I mean, we can't say for sure, but I think that the, the wage, the steep wage increase that sort of relaxed some in 2021, I think indicates that you had in, you know, you couldn't hire necessarily during 2020. And so to the extent that you couldn't hire, you asked more of the workers that you had. And then moving into 2021, as things began to open up more, I think they were able to add workers. And that's why you saw those wages come down a little bit, though they still remained high. You broke down the your article into the cargo side, but now let's talk about the, the travel side. And starting with 2020, what impact did airlines see? Yeah, so air travel in Alaska was a really extreme example of what many industries experienced during the pandemic. Um, in 2020, passengers and workers fell really severely um, as travel restrictions were in place and a lot of people were just you know, COVID conscious, not traveling. In April, so this was the, the low point, in April of 2020, passengers were down 88% 
compared to the previous year, and they finished the year down 58% from the previous year. So that's about 3 million fewer people traveling in 2020 than in 2019. We know air traffic has returned, but I, I guess the question is, has the workers? Yeah, so I think air, air traffic returned for the most part. So it still hasn't returned to pre-pandemic levels, but oh. it, did, it did have a really strong rebound relative to workers. Um, you know, recovering more than half of the passengers lost, but recovering less than half of the workers lost during the pandemic. Um, I think air transportation finds, you know, they find themselves in, I guess, air travel specifically finds themselves in a position where they're in line with lots of other industries that are trying to attract back workers that they lost during the pandemic. And I think maybe a challenge there is that they, it's so face to face that I think that you know, the health, the health concern potentially is a little higher there than in other places. And share with us your findings on, on, on the workers. Uh, how many of them had worked through the pandemic? Yeah, so what we saw was, you know, about 60% continued working through the pandemic or, you know, stopped working for a second, but had returned by 2021. Um, I think the really interesting thing was what happened to the workers that left and some of the things that that might tell us about how you know, the industry will fare moving forward trying to attract people back. So among the sort of two-fifths that left, so pretty evenly split between those two, mm -hmm. there were people that moved into different industries. So among that group, about a third landed in other transportation and warehousing, like closely related sectors, and then the rest ended up dispersed throughout the economy, kind of landing in larger, sectors of the economy like healthcare and retail. Um, so those are the people that showed back up to work somewhere. And I think, you know, the extent to which you can draw somebody back from a new job, you know, varying degrees of success. But looking at the people that have not shown back up, we compared them to sort of what a group would look like that left before the pandemic, because there is churn every single year. But what we saw among the leavers um, during the pandemic was disproportionately they were retirement age. So these are people that potentially retired early. I think this is something that we've seen in a lot of industries we've seen across the country. Um, and I think the expectation for a lot of those people is potentially we're, we're not, you know, it's, it's not certain that those people will ever, will ever return. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other group that we saw that behaved a little differently than before the pandemic was women were slightly more likely to leave the labor force. Um, and that was something that we said, both of those things were things that we saw in an article that Dan did a couple months ago, looking at sort of these missing workers and who had left the labor force during the pandemic and what we know about them. I wanted to touch on just briefly uh, your findings on charter flights. So yeah. well, let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, so charter flights, much smaller in terms of passenger volumes compared to things like the, you know, Alaska Airlines, seaplanes, mm. whatever it may be. Um, so the uh, charter flights just being non-scheduled, I guess. Um, much more seasonal industry, uh, but similar experience during the pandemic and that at their peak in 2020, they were down 35 per, workers in the industry were down 35%. And so 
hit extremely hard you know, for its size. And then what we saw in 2021 was that workers did recover, but again, not quite back to pre-pandemic levels. And so I think the, the common piece in both air passenger travel industries was pretty hard hit in 2020, some recovery in 2021, but not quite back to pre-pandemic levels. And that leads us to what you were talking about, Dan, when we think about job, opening, job openings just in general here in the state. And so tell us what led you to find that they are at an all-time high. Yeah, there's this new data set called JOLTS, Job Opening Labor Turnover Survey, that the Bureau of Labor Statistics produces. And it gives us, it defines a job opening in important ways. You have to be actively recruiting for a job. These are people who have a job available and they're trying to fill it, which is important because there are other measures of job openings that are fuzzier, just number of positions. Oh, po- it has position. to be open for 30 or so days. There's that. And then there's also people, they, they, call jo- they scrape these uh, uh, job posting sites, and and that's less uh, specific in, in defining an opening, which is an important point. Um, but yeah, job openings they've been high, and so we we had written about this once, and we wanted to update it, and they remain high, both for Alaska and the U.S. Although the U.S. most recent data, July, it, they've come down a little bit. There's some recession fear in the country. But but that we do have this odd situation of way more open positions than people looking for work to fill them. Odd, I say, because um, uh, we're not in a recession now. We're not that far removed from the COVID recession, which was an odd situation to begin with. But it's unusual to have that situation where job seekers can basically dictate terms. They, they, they're just, it's a good situation. If you're a job seeker, it's a tough situation if you're an employer. That remains true and probably will remain true for some reasons, including demographics, until something shifts in the economy and there is growing concern that, that a recession uh, could happen in the next couple of years. And any updates on what the driving force of this is? It's a good question. I mean, it's it's a mix of things. Um, housing gets some mention. Uh, inflation gets a lot of mention. The Federal Reserve is everybody who pays attention to these kinds of things, knows is on a target to raise interest rates, and typically that reduces economic activity. Yeah, we spoke about that on a prior program. Yeah, it's and it is tricky to manage both inflation and employment to get that kind of that golden in-between. Um, so, uh, but housing is, is a little problematic. It got just too expensive. A lot of people were priced out of the market. Housing supply is problematic. Gunner does some work with housing and rental survey. He'll be back other months to talk about that. There's a lot going on in housing. So nothing really specific. Um, so yeah, well, lots of metrics that we'll be watching. Okay. And it looks like we got a little bit of a hint on what the next article might be. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, uh, and then we've also got a long-term industry and occupational forecast, which we hope is helpful for people trying to figure out what they want to do for work, what kind of things they should be teaching if you're a training, if you're a school or a university or a training provider. Well, thank you, Dan. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Gunnar. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, David, for joining us all this morning. And thank you, the listener, for hearing us here on August 9th. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line, signing off.